Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, happy Reformation Day to all of you. I know it's a little early, but still we are observing and celebrating it on this day. Reformation Day in Lutheran circles is always a big and important day. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, sometimes it is often confused with German Heritage Day, that all of those people who are from German ancestry get to uh, assert their German pride, and we get the Oompa Band, and we uh, polka, and have a few beers, and do all of those things that we associate with being German. Obviously, the Reformation celebration is much more than that. It is true that Martin Luther was a German man who lived, but he, he is famous, or the reason why we celebrate him is not so much because he was German, but because he brought to light the gospel message, as was mentioned earlier. Martin Luther is so famous because that message that we are saved by grace— through faith in Jesus, was a message that in his day had become obscured. It was a message that had been hidden by the laws of authorities and the traditions of men, that people were so confused about the doctrine of salvation that it took somebody like Martin Luther to go back to Scripture and say, this is what it's all about. This is what it has always been about, and this is what we must believe. If you are a German or French or Spanish or English or Nigerian or Slovak, whatever your ancestry Today is a day that we celebrate and give thanks for Martin Luther. We give thanks for the message that he brought, not because it was his message, but because it is the message of God. It is the message found there in his word, and it is wonderful for us to hear. And as we're doing that, I'm also uh, recognizing the fact that we are on week three now of our 40-day prayer challenge, that journey when we are encouraging one another and we are walking with one another as we uh, read God's Word, but also as we come together in prayer. And as I was thinking about the Reformation and everything that Martin Luther did and the subject of prayer, I thought to myself, well, really, these two things go hand in hand. These two things are not two different topics, but really, it's one and the same. See, to a lot of people, Martin Luther might be associated with Christian doctrine with some of the teachings of the church. We throw around those terms in Latin, and maybe your Latin is rusty, but words like solia gratia, solia fide, sola scriptura. By grace alone, through faith alone, in scripture alone. That is the hallmark of Reformation theology. That is what Luther was all about. And so we think about Martin Luther as like this really smart guy, this professor, this teacher of doctrines. And it's true that he actually was that. He did all of those things in his day. But what we forget sometimes is that Martin Luther wasn't just this really smart guy. He was also a pastor. And 
when I say that, I realize that it comes out a little weird as though pastors aren't smart guys or anything like that. But what I mean is that he was pastoral, that he had that heart for his people and for their struggles. He wasn't trying to just make sure that everybody was smart and intelligent and passed all the right tests and knew all of the right things. All of those things were important to him, but above all, it was because he wanted them to have that sure and certain faith in Jesus, that he was their savior, that they were saved not by their works, but solely by the grace of God. And Martin Luther, it is true, in his lifetime, he wrote volumes of things. He wrote so many things that I don't think it would be possible to, to look at all of them and understand the full measure of what he had written. But when we think about that, again, he wasn't just writing doctrinal treatises. He wasn't just writing dissertations. A lot of his writings were pastoral, were devotional, were meant for the hearts and lives of regular, ordinary people. That's what Martin Luther lived for. He wanted to get that message out into their homes so that they would hear and know the truth of Scripture. So in his day, Martin Luther was famous for writing to women who had suffered miscarriages because he knew what a struggle that was and he wanted to comfort them with God's word. He wrote to people who were struggling with issues of temptation to sin. He wanted to know that he wanted them to know that those struggles, they, they were not in those alone, but the Lord was with them. But Satan was a very real force and enemy, and that he would try to take us away from Christ, but nevertheless, Christ would never let go. Martin Luther wrote to people who suffered from all sorts of ailments. We talk about our own day and the day of coronavirus as sort of upsetting everybody. This pandemic drives us crazy. But Martin Luther lived through more than a couple pandemics, more than a few instances where whole cities were affected by illness and wiped out completely. And Martin Luther would write not only to the people who suffered, but also to those pastors that cared for them to encourage them. See, Martin Luther was a pastor. He was not just that teacher, not just a professor, not just a reformer. And as a pastor, the things that Martin Luther did in the Reformation were ultimately aimed not at the educated elite, but at the common man the common woman, the everyday, everyday ordinary person in his country and throughout the world. Martin Luther took care of people's souls. And part of that caretaking came from his own personal struggles. You're all probably familiar with the stories about how in his early life, Martin Luther really struggled. He was a Christian through and through. He heard the message that the Roman Catholic Church at the time was teaching, but he found no comfort in it. He knew that God was holy and righteous, but he viewed that God as this harsh, vindictive judge that would condemn him, condemn him to years and years in purgatory. Martin Luther could never do enough to measure up. He could never do enough in order to make his heavenly father pleased with him. Martin Luther struggled under that weight of guilt and sin until he discovered the joy of the gospel, until he discovered the joy there in Scripture that God forgives us in Christ Jesus, that God gives us his grace freely. 
There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do to make him love us less. Instead, all of God's love is there in Christ Jesus. There on the cross, we see it all written. And it's for you. It's for me. Martin Luther understood that that was for him, and it completely changed his life. And once he understood that, he wanted to get that message out as quickly as possible to as many people as possible. And when he tried to tell the church, he was surprised. He was surprised when at first that message was not welcomed, because that message was a threat to the power and control and authority that the church had over people's lives. And so instead of welcoming that gospel message that Martin Luther saw so plainly in Scripture, the church tried to condemn him. The church tried to destroy him. But Martin Luther would not be dissuaded. Martin Luther was a man of faith and he stood solidly on God's word. Here I stand. I can do no other, he proclaimed. He proclaimed that, again, not as a professor, not as just this smart guy, but as a simple man of faith. He was revealing his own heart and he wanted others to know that message and have the same kind of confidence that he did. As Martin Luther did all of these things as a pastor, he talked about prayer. In fact, prayer was a big part of his life. Remember, in the early part of Martin Luther's life, he became a monk. He became a monk, and those were the kinds of people that were devoted to worship and prayer, that they had set hours of prayer, that they had prayers that they would pray and they would all come together and they would do them. They would go back to their own cells and they would do them. They lived this kind of life. They thought that that was what God wanted, that saying all these prayers and doing all of these things would make God love them more, would shorten their time in purgatory. But as I said, Martin Luther discovered that wasn't true. He discovered the heart of the gospel. And when he did, his prayer life was transformed. Martin Luther knew how to pray before. He probably prayed better than all of us, right? He prayed more often. He said all of the right things. He did it theologically correct. But Martin Luther's prayer life was changed by the gospel. When he understood that those prayers that he was praying were ultimately not his good works in order to appease, to appease that angry judge, but rather those prayers were the conversations of a child to his dear heavenly father. And forever in Martin Luther's life, his prayer life would be transformed. He always took time for prayer. Others noticed this in his life, and he was known as that man of prayer. Martin Luther is famous for saying things like, I would always get up early in order to pray. And if I knew that I had a particularly difficult day, I would wake up two hours early to make sure that I have even more time to pray. But Martin Luther didn't just want to help his own prayer life. He didn't simply want to showboat that. He wanted other people to share in it. And so Martin Luther was famous throughout his life for the things that he wrote and said about prayer. In 1517, when he nailed those 95 theses to the church castle wall, uh, he did so in order to start a conversation. That conversation didn't exactly go how Martin Luther thought it would go, 
So he continued the conversation even when others wanted to stop it. In 1519, he wrote a personal prayer book that he wanted to get in the hands of people because people did have prayer books for their own spiritual growth. Not everybody had a Bible in those days, but they had their prayer books so they knew the right prayers to pray. But Martin Luther was completely transforming prayers. People no longer needed to pray to the Virgin Mary or pray to the saints. Instead, through Jesus, they could pray to the Heavenly Father and they knew that their prayers were welcomed, that they were heard, and that they were answered. Martin Luther transformed the basis of prayer from something that we must do to something that God promises to hear and answer. He infused it with the gospel, and in so doing, he opened it up to more and more people. But what he discovered was that not everybody caught on to this, that even the old priests in the churches didn't understand this new spiritual freedom. And so he wrote his catechisms after going around to some of the villages and seeing what pastoral life was like. And he wrote those catechisms, the small and then the large catechism, not for the priests, but for fathers, for households, so that they could teach their children, their families, the basis of our Christian belief, the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, about baptism and the Lord's Supper and absolution. And Martin Luther meant for the catechism not to be a doctrinal booklet. It wasn't just about teaching people. Martin Luther wanted that to be a way to pray. That they were supposed to use the catechism not just once in their life in order to make sure everybody knows it all and then put it away on the shelves. Does that sound familiar? Have you done that? I hope not. He wants the catechism to be a regular part of our daily life. In 1535, Martin Luther wrote a letter to his barber, Peter Beskendorf. Peter Beskendorf wanted to know how to pray. He had heard about Martin Luther. He knew that he was a man with a pastoral heart. And he said, Martin Luther, teach me. Teach me a way to pray, a way that I can understand. And Martin Luther wrote him uh, this letter that we know as a, a little booklet called A Simple Way to Pray. And Martin Luther said, use the catechism. That's what it's for. The catechism is there to guide your prayers, the Lord's Prayer that teaches us how to pray. Except he's doing it differently than the Roman Catholic Church taught. Because the Roman Catholic Church taught that you, when you sin, you, you can make up that sin if you just say enough Our Fathers. You say the Lord's Prayer enough, you will start making up for all of your sin and guilt. Martin Luther said, the way to pray is not simply through rote recitation. Don't worry about the exact words that you pray. Instead, use God's word. Use the catechism as a way to meditate and guide your thoughts and your words to the Lord. And so Martin Luther said, take the catechism. You don't have to go through it all at once, but just take a portion of it. Say, the Lord's Prayer. It begins, Our Father, who art in heaven. Now, just take that part, take it apart, and first, try to understand it. Understand what is it saying? What is it teaching you about the Lord? What is it teaching you about yourself? So you sort of have to dig into Scripture and understand what's going on. 
Well, that part is teaching us that God is our Father, that our relationship to the Lord is a familial one. Unlike what Martin Luther first thought, God is not this harsh judge that has no personal connection to us. Instead, we are a part of his family. It teaches us something about that relationship. It teaches about ourselves and our standing before God and his attitude towards us. So we learn what is it that the scripture teaches us? What is it that that part of the catechism has to say? How does it instruct and inform us? Then Martin Luther said, move on to confession. Once you understand what that says, confess your sins in that particular regard. Lord, you are my father, but I confess that I don't live like your son. I don't live like your daughter. I don't always listen to you. I don't always honor you. I don't deserve to have your name upon me. But Lord, forgive me for Jesus' sake. You confess your sins according to what it is that that particular reading is talking about. But don't stop there, Martin said. Continue to give thanks. So we don't just wallow in our guilt and in our sin, but we know that the Lord forgives us for Jesus' sake. So let's thank him. Thank him for what he teaches us there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are our heavenly father. Thank you for that close relationship that you have brought me into a family because you are not just my father, you are our father. You've given me brothers and sisters in Christ and Lord, I thank you for that for the way that they edify my life, that they walk with me, that they care for me, that they love me. They're not my relatives. They're not my family. But because of Christ, because you have brought us into the body of Christ, they are. And I couldn't have a better family. So thank you, God. After you have given thanks, Martin said, then pray. Then bring your petition to the Lord. Lord, you are our heavenly Father. And I know that means that you love me. I know that means that you care for me, that you walk with me tenderly in this life, that you give me free gifts out of your love, just like I love my children, so you love me. But Lord, I pray. I pray that you would give me the gift of patience, that you would give me that gift of patience, because right now in my life, I'm having a lot of difficulty there. I'm getting angry at people. I'm blowing up at them. I, I'm not dealing with things in your way, in the way that you want me to do that. So help me, Lord. Help me to have more patience. This I ask in Jesus' name. And Martin said, that's it. That's a simple way to pray. That you let God's word guide you, use the catechism as that way into God's word. And when you do so, when you take it apart bit by bit, let it instruct you. Ask, what is it teaching you? Then confess your sins in that regard and seek forgiveness in Jesus Christ. When you've done that, give thanks and see how in that particular reading, you can have gratitude for all that the Lord has done. And then finally, Bring your prayers, bring your requests to the Lord and know confidently that he hears and he answers them. And so that's part of the Reformation. That's part of the legacy of Martin Luther. That Martin Luther is not just this man who comes up with doctrines and those Latin phrases. He was a man with a pastoral heart. 
He was a man who himself struggled in his relationship with the Lord. But once he knew the gospel, he wanted other people to know that. Once he himself went through his own struggles with prayer, he wanted other people to learn and grow so that they too could come to the Lord confident, so that they too would know that the Lord hears their prayers and answers them. He wanted them to have that close relationship that he himself enjoyed. See, so far in our 40-day prayer journey, we've talked about how we need to be preoccupied with prayer. We're preoccupied already with all of the stuff going on, but how those things can be a way that we can deepen in our relationship with the Lord because we can bring those things to Him and we know that He wants to hear those prayers. We also talked about how prayer is important, how it makes a difference, how, yes, it can change the will of the Lord, but it also ends up changing us. The more we read his word, the more we pray, the more his spirit works on us so that we become more and more like him. But Martin Luther himself taught us how to pray. He gave us some of the tools. The catechism is a tool meant for our prayer life. This isn't just a textbook, but it is immensely practical. And Martin Luther told us how to use it through those instructions and confessions and thanksgivings and our prayers. We can come to the Lord in prayer, knowing that we are his dear children that we are saved by his grace. And the more we do that, the more we become those people of prayer. The more natural it becomes, the easier it happens. And we find that we too will become people like Martin Luther was. People for whom prayer is such an important part of our life that we won't have to fight to make it a priority. Instead, it will be a priority. And in that, God is glorified. In that, God is blessed. But we will also be blessed. And then through us, the people around us. That's the legacy of Martin Luther. That's the legacy of the Reformation. So happy Reformation Day, even if you're not German. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is your Lord and risen Savior. Amen.